Hello, everyone. Welcome to your newest episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with Laura Matsu and Bernhard Gunther. So today's topic, we're going to be talking about finding connection in times of isolation, which is uh, obviously inspired by the times we live in. Um, and before we begin this uh, podcast, we'd just like to make a quick announcement. Our group program, Embodied Soul Awakening, we're going to be doing another round of it starting December 15th. It's a two-month group coaching program. And if you'd like to join us for getting into some experiential exercises that are related to a lot of the topics that we talk about in this podcast, please go to the website www.awakenapply.com. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're looking for, and we hope to see some of you there. Yeah, so finding connection in times of isolation, and that's really a big theme for this year, this crazy year. And we're only just a few weeks ahead of the elections, so who knows what's happening between now and then. But, you know, we've just experiencing this insane, crazy lockdown since it started already, like March, April, mm -hmm. right? And it came in waves, and then in some states or in the world opened up. But now the lockdown is even intensifying more. They're talking about a second wave. And, um, you know, it's really, really hard not just economically, that's obviously a lot of businesses are suffering under that, uh, but suffering psychologically and emotionally, mm. and missing connection, like especially real-time connection. Yes, people at home and there's, we talked about the silver lining of the situation. Yeah, you're at home, you can like uh, focus on other things and, um, uh, you know, rearrange your life, be on the internet and do more research and connect with people that way. But that's very limiting and not also not a very satisfying at all. And we're just missing human-to-human uh, -human in person connections because we're wired to connection, right? So um, one thing that's really not much talked about at all in the mainstream media, on the media in general, is how many people are... Um, suffering under depression of not connecting, not um, being able even to connect to their family and friends or uh, even to uh, their elderly parents because they're completely shielded off in elderly homes and whatnot because of COVID and all that. So it's really, really depressing for a lot of people. And I, I had now a friend who works at a hospital and she told me that the suicide rates have increased exponentially. And so of addictions, especially alcoholism and all of that, because a lot of stuff is coming up for people, uh, which they don't have the tools to deal with, mm -hmm. right? So we want to just talk a little bit about that to really, you know, um, how can we connect more, like not only to each other, obviously, in, in different ways, but essentially to ourselves, to our true self. That's, like, uh, you know, essentially the, the bigger role behind it, because it's all about also learning to thrive maybe in solitude without isolating. Yeah. And also, you know, I just want to talk about like why connection is so important. I think a lot of people, I mean, the thing is, is already before this lockdown happened, we were already of becoming a very isolated society because of the tech takeover. Um, and this kind of just pushed it over the edge for many people. Like already um, you see the modern Westerner, especially in like Canada and North America um, in, in America in general, um, 
they're just, you go, they go out and they're like staring at their phone and they're like disconnected from what they're experiencing in the present moment. So in my experience, you know, it's not just this kind of superficial connection, like, Hey, how are you? And kind of just faking the mask, you know, cause I think many of us who are listening to this podcast know that that isn't, isn't actually truly fulfilling, but what we're looking for, and especially once we start doing like really deep soul work, inner work, and we start to regain some sort of connection with our inner self is we start to long for people that we can share that self to. And that really becomes apparent to us at a certain point in of our, of our journey, especially if we're on a bit of like a hero's journey with our own healing. Like I can just speak for myself for a really long time. I had, um, you know, like avoidant attachment patterns. Like I was like very much like an island to myself. I was like, I do everything myself. I make my own decisions. I don't need anyone, you know, and that was actually a trauma response. That exaggerated independence was actually a trauma response. And many of us have those patterns, you know, where we think that everything's okay. We can just handle our own life on our own. You know, we've kind of dissolved this like network and community that I even had like as a child growing up. I mean, I grew up in like the late 80s and 90s. And I still remember I was able to like knock on my neighbor's door and ask them for something or like I used to just knock on my neighbor's door, go hang out with them, you know, like we are wired to actually reach out to people in that way, but we've become this very isolated society and it's happened very fast. And it's also happened with the rise of technology. And then what's happened is technology has replaced that, but it doesn't really get at the our own physical and our own like um, biology, meaning like I can feel, you know, I can type to someone on a screen and have a kind of really nice conversation with them, you know, but it's not the same as doing it in person. And that's because when we're doing it in person, our nervous systems are attuning to each other and we're learning how to like regulate each other and find safety in that connection. And that just happens to a lesser extent when we're communicating on the screen. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a paradox because uh, technology, as we know it now, has gotten us quote unquote closer. You can speak and communicate to anyone at any time all over the world via texting, social media, also Zoom and Skype. It's already a bit more quote personal than just texting. But when we message in text and tweet or message on social media, which we've gotten so used to, it opens up a whole world of miscommunication, misperceptions, projecting emotions into that are not there. And we've experienced it now. We already, we live together 24 seven, but when we text, sometimes we still <laughs> misunderstand each other, yeah. right? And we get upset about things because we, I took it the wrong way because there's a lot of missing, like you mentioned in, in, in interpersonal communication in person, the energetic impressions, the subtle impressions, mm -hmm. the voice, the tone of the voice, uh, more psychic impressions, the body, how it perceives anything that we're actually not consciously aware of, which yeah. gives us a more holistic context of connection. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when that is missing, it becomes just automatically very head centric. 
Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, just using texting as a form of communication will also highlight people's attachment issues as well. Like if you have an anxious attachment and someone doesn't text back right away, those are the people who like make up all these stories in their head. Like, oh my God, they never want to talk to me again, you know, or there's people who are avoidant who just don't even reply for like days at a time. That was actually, I've been on both sides of the fence, you know, but I feel like, you know, our, 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 the tools we have to communicate globally go far beyond our actual skills in communicating, you know, like a lot of people, like I remember when we were doing long distance and, you know, the ellipsis, like dot, 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 you know, you, you just use that as a, as a way to trail off a sentence, to trail off a thought. Yeah. And I read it as passive aggressive. Which uh, you is, got so upset. Which you is got what so many, triggered. I'm like, what the hell is going which on? Which is what many people do, but you know, but that's also just something that's just assumed. We assume people communicate with us in text the same way that we do, you know, and that's actually just not the case. Everyone has a different ability to communicate in text. Uh, to be honest, most people's com- uh, ability to communicate verbally actually is higher than their ability to communicate in text. Not always the case, but for, mo- for the most part, you know, and we don't understand that. We just kind of like, if we read a text with a bunch of typos, we're just like, oh my God, I just person's an idiot. We make all these assumptions about a person, right? Yeah. Um, and then for example, emoticons, you know me, I'm not big mm-hmm. into emoticons. So I'm like, you're supposed to show emotions via emoticons, but you also can perceive falsely when you laugh. Is it passive aggressive or you're really laughing, <laughs> you know, and all these things. Yeah. So, I mean, what it comes down to the gist of the matter, a lot of um, is, is lost in translation, so to speak, yeah. via texting. And right? basically the point is, is this is no replacement for face-to-face interaction. It's almost like face-to-face interaction has become a relic of the past. Like we would rather text or maybe Zoom, you know, with the person. Most most millennials, I, ha- I hate to say it, actually just prefer to text, you know? Yeah. That's it. Even me, like I would prefer to text a lot of people in communication, you know? But a lot of that has to do with just our attachment patterns. And as human beings, we have a deep desire to connect to others. You know, we want this kind of, we want these kinds of relationships, but we're just at a loss of how to get there. You know, we don't know, we don't have the tools to get it. Um, you know, and I also want to know, you know, throughout our day, we're, when we're, when our nervous system is functioning in a healthy way, we're going to be making bids for connection throughout the day. So we'll like, you know, even just at the grocery store, like talking to the grocery person, that's a way that we're showing that we want to connect to the world, right? So we reach out for contact with others. And so these connections can either be experienced as resonance or misattunement. And what I'm seeing now more often than other, uh, more often than not in the world is a lot of people are in a state of protection. So therefore they can't connect to others because they're in fear because of the virus. They're in fear because of all the propaganda. They're just in a trauma state, right? Yet at the same time, the connection and, you know, reaching out to others is like the way out of that. It's kind of like this catch 22, this paradox, you know, they're in this state of trauma where they're fearful of people want to stay six feet apart from people. Even after this ends, I believe that there's going to still be people wearing masks, freaked out, like in their own trauma response. Right. 
And so it's kind of hard, you know, as human beings, because we're trying to navigate the world and we are wired to connect. Like this is also the aspect of like how we are connected. We're wired for these kinds of relationships. Yet at the same time, we're aware we go in the world and a lot of people are fearful. Yeah. And then people, I mean, that's even more heightened, for example, with this whole COVID thing and, you know, the whole mask wearing, which is actually at this point pretty much established if you really research even the science that masks don't do anything. They don't help. You mm -hmm. know, people just keep wearing them, even when officials come out and say, yeah, we don't really need them anymore. But it's it's being used as a political weapon, yeah. right? And it's a trauma installment program because how can you connect when you go out and see people in masks? You don't see their facial expressions. Yeah, it's a, you know you don't you just see the eyes. You don't see is the person laughing, smiling. You're missing a lot of impression, mm -hmm. and automatically you're on an unconscious level, uh, you become more suspicious and more protective mode. Yeah, right? you're less open yeah. to other people. You know, yeah. and as you mentioned, like I, you know, I, you know, I have my exemption like i'm not wearing masks because uh for various reasons besides just uh not going along with the program um you know there was this one incident for example we were in whole foods and i had to sneeze mm. <laughs> i just had to sneeze i just I was itchy my nose and you can only imagine the looks i got because for simply sneezing like mm. oh my god i'm killing everyone and all of that mm. And there's this extreme fear frequency or it has what's happened now, increasingly, we have become extremely distrustful yeah. of each other. Yeah. Right? So like, how can we change that? Well, the main thing is we actually have to become wired for connection ourselves. So that means we have to be in what's called the social engagement system, which is a part of the uh, parasympathetic nervous system. Because if we're in a in a sympathetic or activated state, then we're we're in a state of protection, you know. So if we're in a trauma state, if we're going out in the world very fearful and stuck in our own heads, we can't actually make that connection. The only place that we can make it from is from a calm, relaxed, present, grounded state. So that's the first for the first step, really, is to you know notice um, how is the state of your nervous system? How are you handling the stress of this situation? Um, and from that state, you will actually, it's like, it's kind of interesting how it works. Like, uh, I forget who said it, but I remember a trauma teacher once saying how like master regulators, like they're just kind of the person, I mean, master regulators of their nervous system are the kind of person that everyone wants to be around. Like they, they're just really good at uh, handling the ups and downs of life. They don't go like off on a tangent when they get triggered, you know, they're really just in control of themselves, present, grounded, attuned to people around them. So when we become those kinds of people, ourselves, i.e. we're connected to our own body and our own self, people will actually be drawn to us because we actually help them self-regulate. So people who are in trauma states, you know, will be drawn to us and be like, you know, when I walk into... Whole Foods here, you actually don't need a mask in, in the Whole Foods we go to, really. Um, and I'm really present and calm and not wearing a mask, you know. I, I And I notice, like, people will, like, talk to me and, like, connect to me. And they're wearing the mask, you know. Actually, they should be afraid of me, but it's actually because my nervous system is regulated and I'm not wearing anything, you know, that they, like, they're drawn to me, you know. So if we actually want connection ourselves, we have to become those kinds of people. We have to embody that calmness. It's not about, like, you know, in the sense, fuck you, I'm not going to wear a mask. So I'm, like, going with that attitude. Mm -hmm. You may actually draw to yourselves, attract more, like, Violent opposition, in a sense, yes. not violent, but, you know, just uh, people just 
um, complaining or you know attacking you and whatnot. Yeah. Because they also respond to your inner state of being. So if you're more relaxed and just healthy, self confident, but also compassionate and open, mm. and not also talking, you know, in a sense of spite, because it's very, how can I say, tempting to talk down and look down on people who are in this state of fear, who are the, you know, act like Karens and who are completely covering themselves with face masks and and and, and gloves and, and are become very neurotic with germophobia and whatnot, but they're in an acute state of fear. Yeah, you gotta right? you gotta look at those people like this is someone who's number one, their reptilian brain is like super active. So they're in an animal state, they're fight, flight, you know, freeze. And so we got to look at it like that. Like they can't make uh, rational choices from that place, you know. However, through the magic of what's called interpersonal neurobiology, if you're calm around someone like that, it's actually going to affect their own nervous system, you know. Like that's how we actually attune to each other. That's how we learn how to regulate each other in a healthy relationship whether it's friendship or any kind of relationship, you have two people who are actually fairly uh, aware of their own nervous systems and can use each other's as sources of regulation, you know, and that's the real connection we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, not just like surface level, head centric relationship that doesn't fulfill our soul, but you know, those kinds of people, I'm sure you've had at least one person in your life or, you know, one experience in your life, that person who was like really like wise and present and loving Anytime you talk to them, you calm down. Those are like the traits of a good coach or therapist too, as well. You know, those are the kind of relationships we're longing for, those kinds of connections. And those are really a life force um, in themselves. Like if we are able to um, foster those kinds of relationships in our lives through this collective trauma that we're experiencing, that will help us mitigate the impact of trauma, basically, because we feel supported by our environment. Yeah. That's all fine and good, but then, <clears throat> you know, the not to play devil's advocate, but the cynics out there are like people who are just very isolated. Like, yeah, I'd love to find the person like that, but I'm completely alone. People are freaked out. Mm. I can see through the lies, but everybody's going along with the propaganda, the programming, the fear frequency, what I'm going to do, you know? And I, we've talked to quite a few people that have approached us as well, even our programs, who are, um, you know, dealing with that. Hmm. in a sense, right? Yeah. They don't have a partner. They're completely isolated, mm. right? And uh, how can we find people? How can we connect? And that's, you know, there's no easy answer. And, you know, what came up in this conversation is also the concept of what Gurdjieff talked about external consideration, you know? So, you know, we don't want to get away, go along with the fear programming, for example, with the mask, you know, and not just be forced to wear a mask, but, you know, um, claim our personal right for freedom and taking care of ourselves and uh, just not wearing a mask despite the, you know, the rules and regulations, so to speak. But at the same time, you don't want to deal with all the backlash, hmm. right? So a lot of people just go along with it, not to deal with the the issues like that come up of the quote-unquote Karens of getting that kind of attack or even authorities. Hmm. But also it's, it's important this day and age to stand up for ourselves. Because hmm. what I've noticed, it's interesting, like going back... I mean, can any store, but let's, let's stick with the Whole Foods example. Um, you know, when I go in there without my mask, I see other people then in observing me and all of a sudden they take off their masks. Mm. 
Yeah. You know, it takes just one person and yeah. then or vice versa. Sometimes I was a bit insecure and like, I, you know, I put my mask on, like just a little bit over my beard. I'm just not sure. I don't want to deal with anybody right now. So I just mm-hmm. wear it. Mm-hmm. But then it's the other, is one person doesn't have a mask. I'm like, hey, fuck yeah. So I'm going to also take it off. So that's yeah. how we can almost inspire each other. Mm-hmm. But going mm-hmm. back to connection, you know, like, yeah, if we don't have somebody really on an ultimate level, we want to connect to something deeply. If you're yearning for somebody to see us, mm-hmm, right? That's mm-hmm. really comes, especially if you haven't been seen in childhood, we want, we, we need this so much. Yeah. Right. And ultimately, like, which we can dive in a bit deeper as well. Ultimately it's connecting to our true self, our essence within. And yeah. the more we can connect to that, then we automatically connect to the essence of other people, like everyday people. Yeah. Like what gives me a lot is even, uh, connecting i don't care what their beliefs are but the quote-unquote regular person the cashier you know not be on my phone and check out or just have a little small talk right tuning into that person Mm -hmm. right and just kind of like make an effort to pierce through the crust of personality and it's possible right it just takes you know a certain level of you know of embodiment or just uh, attunement so to speak and and effort and intention you know to connect to like strangers. Yeah, it also begins with a sincere desire to reconnect with your own body and reconnect with your own emotions. You know, we can we can meet people who are like very like good at regulating their nervous systems and use and use them as a way of connection to an extent. But ultimately, we want to become those people, right? Like, if you're one of those people who's really calm, grounded, and present, you will begin to be surrounded by people who are going to be drawn to you because that's actually really rare, you know? And in times like this, too, we have to watch out, you know, for a lot of us have a lot of beliefs about the how the world is, how relationships are, how friendships are. And those, us actually identifying with those beliefs keep us stuck. So if you think like, oh yeah, there's no one out there, no one to connect with, no one, no one understands me, you know, then you're going to find that and hate to say it. You're going to experience much of the same. However, if you leave room for the possibility, you know, that there are people out there who want these kinds of relationships that you do, and there are. Um, then they will find you. But we have to really question our perceptions, our beliefs, and also make sure that we don't like identify with anything that we personally believe in such a way that it isolates us from others. Because that's a really big issue that we're facing right now. It leads us to another topic is like this intense division that we're seeing and how people are basically like, you know, you don't wear a mask. I don't want to be friends with you. I can't relate to you. You support Donald Trump. I don't want to be friends with you. I can't relate to you. I even saw a post the other day that says, I can't see you as a human being if you support him yeah. because it's completely morally like wrong, you know, and this is the kind of division we're seeing, you know, so it's really important. And this is our work to do collectively, you know, it's easier said than done. I mean, like our neighbors have like political signs of like something we wouldn't support on their lawn. Right. But at the same time, you know, we can't see them as like the enemy or the other, that's the that perpetuates this problem of disconnection and isolation we're experiencing. Yeah, that's a that's a tricky issue right now. This divide and conquer, the political polarization, right? 
and people know like my stance on it, uh, the articles I've written, but you know, it's also that I, I'm not, I have my views, my opinions and what I support, but I'm also not identified with it. Mm. I don't build my identity around it. Yeah. Right. There, which is very important. Um, there's, there's, you know, you can also like always pull the like non-duality card, like, oh, like I have transcended duality, uh, you know, um, I don't buy into either side and whatnot, but there can also be a bypass in terms of like a philosophical spiritual bypass, right? Yeah. Because to, to, we talked about this before, I believe, or I wrote about it in my article is non-duality teachings, fine and good. But, you know, unless you really live it, experience, you have basically must be enlightened or you just approach it intellectually and philosophically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's fine to support a line of, uh, with, with one side, but, um, you know, it's just, and it goes for both sides, I have to say, right? There's yeah. definitely the, what we talk called the TDS, Trump derangement syndrome, which is completely fabricated and brainwashed by the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Like literally people see anybody who supports Trump as a racist, rapist, white supremacist, Hitler, Nazi. Yeah, That's insane. That's not even objectively true, mm-hmm. right? If you really look at Trump obje- and without even supporting Trump, staying objective. Mm-hmm. But you see the polarization on both sides. I mean, you see people hating on Trump and then the other side, you know, hating on Biden and whatnot. Or yeah. hating on, you know, like the social justice warriors and the leftists, which like I yeah. even myself, like I have to deal with my own like issues around that. Like it's been my own inner work because especially as like a former social justice warrior, like I've been policed by social justice warriors like longer than I can remember, like basically since I was a teenager and started hanging out with these people, you know? So I get it. I get, I get, I get why people have such a charged emotional response to them. Yet at the same time, we don't want to like see them as like demonize them because they're at a certain stage. They've also, a lot of them have been conditioned by successful brainwashing. It's a huge element of it, you know, and doesn't necessarily mean we don't make boundaries or whatever in these kinds of relationships, but we don't want to dehumanize them. And that's what you're seeing happening. I think is your, your people are literally dehumanizing other people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's especially, I have to say like, you know, it's coming more from the quote unquote far left towards the right, you know, there's a lot of projections and like really hateful uh, energy, you know, which ties into more maybe occult esoteric topics of forces having taken over that political spectrum, so to speak. That's why I always said it is not about the classical left versus right. There's something bigger. There's an archetypal war between dark and light. Uh, you know, anti divine and divine forces, mm-hmm. but um, it and the battle is through us. That's what it really comes down to. That we are transducers of higher energies, right? So the moment we make it personal, that's when we get into tricky territory. Yeah, and it's still about making standing our ground, standing up. It's fine to stand up for what you believe in, and we need to make a stand. And it needs to be activism, spiritual activism, activism, and action. So we don't want to hide behind some sort of space passive spirituality and like oh, all is one it's just two sides of the same coin and it's just duality and you can easily like i mentioned before use these uh, uh, concepts as a philosophical um, you know bypass um but it's it's tricky because um you know a lot of people are now because of this polarization and they're afraid of speaking out afraid of being authentic and understandable so because people can you know you can get hurt Mm-hmm. Uh, even killed, God forbid, violence, physical violence, mm-hmm. lose your job, you know, um, all the projections and attacks. Mm-hmm. So it 
more and more disconnects us from it, not only from each other, but from ourselves. So we are very, we live in a perpetual state of fear and are afraid to speak our minds. Yeah. And I think the key thing with that is to find, you know, those people. And even if it's like a therapist or coach, not even, but, you know, sometimes we need to literally hire someone to play that person in our life. And there's nothing bad for, there's nothing bad about that, you know? Um, So we need to find relationships where we can connect and we aren't sent into place of protection. Like if you share something vulnerable with someone and right away they get defensive, they get angry, they get aggravated, you're not going to find connection in that relationship. That person isn't able to regulate their nervous system in such a way that they can hold an opposite viewpoint, you know? And a lot of us don't, that doesn't click. We're like always trying to connect with people. It's like, our parents or whoever in our family, and they're not wired for connection. So we have to be able to find people and facilitate those kinds of relationships where we can actually have that because we uh, we do live in polarizing times. And the reason I'm pointing that out is because if you're going to go out, you know, like post something that's really speaking your truth, getting it out there, it may bring up fear in you, you because it's courage, right? You have to you have to get into that state of fearlessness. You have to really amp yourself up to do that kind of stuff. Um, but then you also need those kinds of relationships of connection in order to support you to do those kinds of things. And if you don't, it's going to feel incredibly scary. So if you're out there and you're listening, you're like, I really, you know, I know I need to, I see through what's going on. I really need to speak my truth more. Um, but I feel afraid to do so. Like the first question to ask yourself, like, do I feel supported in my interpersonal ecosystem that if I deal with some sort of conflict, I have someone to talk to. I have someone who can regulate me. I have someone who can, you know, you know, help me through that. And that's the way that we can actually become these kind of spiritual warriors is by building those kinds of support systems. And I feel the best way in a sense is actually doing that, which we're most afraid of is be stepping into our vulnerability. You know, because that's what I've noticed. I've, you know, in my life, especially before I met you, I was a hermit. I was single for like a decade, living by myself in Topanga, in my little hut, hobbit hut, so to speak, like a hermit in the Santa Monica Mountains, and enjoying my solitude. But solitude can easily morph into isolation. Yeah. Right. And it's easy then to complain, you know, the mind, the ego, the, the, the self to get lost in self-pity. And then it turns into like internalized anger and projected to that the world, the world sucks, nobody loves me, the world is shit. You get into a very nihilistic, negative worldview that you almost like let the world, you know, end. I don't, you know, hate it and whatnot. Mm. Um, but that's like that anger, there's pain, there's sadness underneath it. Mm. You know, when I learned like, you know, my outlet was writings and infusing my personal process. And I noticed the more I shared my vulnerable process, even my own quote unquote faults, lessons, shortcomings, Mm. the more I would actually um, make genuine connections. Yeah, And that's the irony, you know, because I was afraid that we all have our masks. We don't want to appear quote unquote weak. So Mm. we have an inauthentic image. We present ourselves differently to the outside world, how, as opposed to how we really feel, Mm. right? Because we are afraid because of... Childhood wounds, for example, because in childhood, for example, when we showed our our hurt or true emotions, maybe our parents shut us down right away, yeah. right? They didn't mirror um, our emotions, didn't 
hold space for it. So you learned early on, oh, it's I cannot be authentic. If I show myself how I really feel, I get punished. Yeah. I'll be talking down. So we can many of us carry this over into adulthood. Yeah. So that program had to overcome. And like you mentioned, it takes courage. Mm. And courage is really uh, important to understand is acting is not courage. Acting with courage is not uh, to say that there is no fear. As uh, uh, Don Juan from Carlos Castaneda would say, a warrior is not a warrior is not fearless, but a warrior acts with courage despite the fear. Mm. So you have only courage when there is fear. So it's like kind of almost ignoring the fear because yeah. fear. Again, I, I've I've said this a few times before. In a sense, it's an illusion because fear is um, lives in time, meaning you're afraid of something that may happen in the future. Mm. It's time-based, right? Or oh, when I do this, say this, we are afraid this might happen to me. Or you're afraid of something that literally isn't happening. Well, happens. isn't happening, <laughs> but it's something, it's like we make something up in yeah. our minds, yeah. basically, yeah. right? So in the, in the present moment, it doesn't exist. Yes. And it's it is literally an illusion, Yeah. right? Yeah, so it's, it's real to our body, though. It's real to our body, exactly. And then rates of trauma responses and, and you know, we stuff from the past coming up, we project into the present, mm -hmm. which doesn't apply. Mm -hmm. So I had to like really like overcome this question, just like, no, I need to, I need to be vulnerable. And each time when I, even my writings, even nowadays, when I write something very personal, even the recent article I wrote about my father, it creates a, some sort of anxiety, some sort of like, oh my God, you know, like mm -hmm. vulnerability, you know, there's like, I'm opening myself up to the world. Mm -hmm. But then, What I experience each time is the exact opposite of what I thought would have happened. You know, that yeah. actually opens up more genuine connection. You know, like mm. people uh, approach me and like open themselves up because it's like, a, in a sense of what I call a positive trigger or inspiration. When you open yourself up more vulnerable, speaking from your authentic place, mm. it inspires others to do the same. And yeah. you realize, oh my God, we have, I can relate to you. I feel the same. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of how we can work towards um, creating more authentic connections. Yeah, exactly. So like if we're a lot of us, we weren't attuned to in childhood, you know, we had to put on a fake mask, perform to be a certain way in order to be accepted. And then we learn to basically become the fake self. You know, we need to train ourselves in this kind of vulnerability. And at first it is very uncomfortable. Like at first we're in a protective state and I'll give an example with myself. Like three years ago, I moved to an intentional community. We had like sharing circles, like I don't know, multiple times a day there. But we had one that was really big, which is like an interpersonal sharing circle. So we all sit in a circle. We like pass around a stick. We just share whatever's going up for us. And I remember the first time I went into one of those circles, I had such intense anxiety, you know? And then I just spoke and I let it flow. And like, I was so shocked and everyone came up to me after. I was like, oh my God, I really loved what you said. It was very moving, you know? And I was so thrown off I because I was in such a trauma response myself, you know? And then as I did it more and more, I started to realize like, wow, this is actually teaching me how to be my true self around people and teaching my nervous system that it's safe to do so, you know? So a lot of us, especially if we're very isolated in our lives, like stepping out, like even in the group work we do, for instance, the group work is actually inspired by these kinds of circles that we do at retreats. So they did at this intentional community. Um, and I know it's uncomfortable for people to share at first, and that's totally normal. 
But as you do it more and more, there's magic happening in your nervous system behind the scenes because it's, you know, as I said before, it's in a state of protection. So you're sharing, you're fearful. You're like, oh my God, what did I say? You know, but then you realize like, wow, no one judged me. No one attacked me. No one got triggered. No one, you know, that's what happens in the everyday world sometimes when we share ourselves. And then your nervous system learns to relax and it actually starts to rewire itself because you had a different experience than what you were expecting. And that's really the magic of doing group work. As simple as it sounds, just like, you know, all, all, all coming together to share your vulnerabilities and not having the the worst case scenario that your nervous system is preparing itself for just rewires it in in a completely magic way, which is why, you know, many different teachers, Peter Levine, Gabor Mate, they really talk about, you know, this healing really happens in community, you know, and that's what we're, that's what we're really starving for now. We were starving for it before this even happened. And now it just kind of kicked it up a notch. Yeah, exactly. and, yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, right now, I don't know how it is in Arizona, but in many states, you can't even like go to church. Like this is how people actually find this connection in like everyday, regular, you know, quote unquote matrix life. They go to like their community, you know, but for many of us, if we're not in like an organized religion or system or whatever, like we're kind of just like wandering around, you know? So this is, I feel the direction that we're going to be taking as, as you know, in humanity is we're going to be building new types of communities as well. That's what people are longing for. Like how many people of you guys know someone who wants to like go to intentional community and grow their own food and like do all that. What they're longing for is community and connection at the basis. And you don't need to go off and become a farmer to do that. Yeah. And yeah, like what you shared is interesting because I can so relate to that because it takes practice. It's like practicing muscle you never used or, you know, and rebuild this of communicating from your true self, from your, you know, authentic self. And I can very much relate to, you know, years ago, even decades ago, when I started group work processing, I had so much anxiety when my, my, came, my turn, I was extremely self-conscious. I was speaking out of my head. It took time to re, uh, relax into myself and speak from my true self, from my authentic self. So really in a nutshell, when we talk about finding connection in terms of isolation, before we can find true connection, what we're truly longing for to others, ask yourself the question, how are you connected to yourself? Yeah. You know, do you allow yourself to be completely authentic, sincere within yourself and speak, you know, your, your truth. And when I mean your truth is not just this, like whatever self-righteousness beliefs you have about the world, but your truth is the authentic self, including all your vulnerability, all your issues, whatever it yeah. may be, your shadow, all your shit, so to speak. That's and, a key and, thing. And yeah. allow yourself to speak it and not trying to appear as perfect mm -hmm. or right all the time. Yeah. You know, because I know for myself, even my work, you know, I have certain views, beliefs, understanding, ideas, <laughs> and knowing, but I also know that I do not know. Like seeking truth, it's a process and I need to, I have to keep this in mind. Just like anybody else, I also do have my biases. Everybody has a bias, mm -hmm. right? We're not, nobody's omniscient enlightened unless you are, then you have no eye identification anyway, mm -hmm. but it's a process, right? It keeps changing, continuing. So we need a sense of humility as well. But ultimately it's about being authentic, authentic to yourself. And this authenticity comes from really showing up and not, you know, on some level, like not caring what other people think. Oh, that's easier said than done because we do care. Obviously, mm -hmm. we want to be received. We want to be loved, right? But, you know, when when you 
truly authentic to yourself of vulnerability, what happens, you will find amaz amazing support of people, right? You didn't expect that from. And anybody who really uh, holds that against you or puts you down for that, it's also a great way to clean out connections or relationships that are yeah. truly not good for you. Yeah. Because then it's also important to make the boundaries. Yeah. You know, and also maybe you can touch upon this because when we speak of vulnerability and sharing, it's also important not to, you know, it, it can be very vulnerable because, you know, depending who we share to, and there can be such a thing as oversharing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's mostly important. And a lot of us don't really have this skill wired into our nervous system is being able to tell the safe people that we can share with, you know, and for us to do that, we actually have to be attuned to ourselves and attuned to the other person. Because a lot of us, because we're stuck in our heads, we don't, we actually don't, we may feel in our nervous systems kind of like anxious or like uncomfortable around someone, you know, but our mind will like make a justification why it will override what, what the yeah. signals of our body is telling us. But there's, you can't fake that. Like when you're around a safe person, for the most part, there's exceptions to this. Um, you will feel more grounded and calm. Those are the traits of like a good therapist or anyone who you're working with, right? Like they they ground you, they calm you down. It's like the, it's like an X factor. It's not something you can actually learn at school. Something almost it's, it it relates to your level of being. You know, yeah, it relates to your own embodiment too, which exactly. is definitely not something they teach in uh, most schools. But then the other thing too, and the caveat to that is, so if we're wired for protection a safe person may register as danger to us. Mm. So it's also important that we really understand our nervous systems and how trauma impacts our nervous system so that we can, we can actually use the neocortex, the rational mind for what it's good for, which is being able to be like reason, be like, I'm experiencing an exaggerated fear response, even though I know this is a safe person, you know, and you have to be able to override that program. And that's what you kind of did in your... That's where the courage comes in. Yeah, right? that's what you did when you were sharing in your communities for the first time. That's what I yeah. did, you know. And so that's where, you know, the courage comes in. So instance, like a good example, if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, wow, I really feel drawn to do like group work with Bernhard and Laura. But at the same time, oh my God, I've never shared. I've never opened up to myself. I just listened to these podcasts, you know. Your neocortex has to be able to over override that fear response to be able to put you in the situation so that you can have a new experience and then it can rewire your nervous system. I think that's where also the, that's, let's say the male aspect of consciousness, consciousness comes in the warrior self, the will, like using willpower, yeah. right? Third chakra, kind of like self-empowerment to just, sometimes you need to push through, right? Yeah. To use the vital force, the life force, uh, the will to like, no, I'm going to do this. And right? to reason too. Like yeah, you can... Using our mind actually to our own advantage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And we really need this connection to heal our trauma. And this is what's going on. Like w whether you be believe in the official story or not, what we're experiencing is registering to many of us as a trauma. Our lives suddenly went one way were one way they changed into another for many of us for some of us those were good changes for many of us those were you know we lost our jobs or relationships or whatever so we're all going through to some extent 
some trauma. And if we're not personally, other people around us are. So we really need this kind of connection to bring ourselves to a sense of safety and groundedness again. And so in times like this, it's almost like there's there's been extra barriers in the way of doing that. So right now, if all we have is like doing Zoom, that's actually fine. You know, it's better than just, you know, being uh, being an island to yourself and just reading Facebook or Instagram or whatever, you know, social media or Twitter, you know, um, because at least you're still connecting to others. You know, you feel that support system. So then, you know, if it's like, you know, if you're freaked out about something, you have someone to talk to. You, these are resources you can use to to uh, regulate yourself. Yeah. Um, exactly. So, you know, but, you know, there's a big lesson. For example, I learned like also a lesson of compassion sometimes. You know, we are upset at others not opening up emotionally and they're up in the heads and, mm. you know, and all of that. And my big lesson was, you know, with my own father, which I wrote an article about. Uh, I know if you guys um, maybe have read it, I released it recently. It's called U.S. Uh, Freedom USA and the Story of My Father, uh, a lesson in history. And in a nutshell, it kind of describes my dad's escape from Eastern Germany. Right, which he just at the age of 83 wrote a book about. And just in a nutshell, because when I was growing up, I had a very distant relationship to my dad. He was not emotionally present. He didn't show up in the way I needed to him to show up. Right, mm -hmm. He was very aloof, disconnected, kind of just occupied with his work, very intellectual. And I was craving a more emotional connection, Right, mm -hmm. something like I could never like uh, man talk, for example, anything like that. And and I held it against him. I had resentment towards him. Yeah. Right? I blamed him for him and like, you know, all of that. Yeah, because you had a genuine need there. A genuine need was not meant yeah, right? exactly. as, as, a, as a child. And uh, almost like an invisible father, so to speak. Mm. Right? Uh, but now to my own process and learning about trauma, wounding and all of that, what's happening, my own process and, and working with many others. And now my dad, finally after... You know, at his age of 83, he was confronting his own trauma because he was born at the beginning of World War II in 1937 and then grew up in Eastern Germany, which is socialist Germany, communist Germany before the wall uh, broke down. And he escaped with his family, jumping off a ship, which first failed. He got uh, imprisoned in Eastern Germany with his parents in uh, by Stasi and KGB agents. He was in prison for almost a year before he, uh, a lawyer was able to get them out to Western Germany. But he blocked this whole experience out because it was extremely traumatizing. Mm. And then he dissociated from it and hence he could not tap into his own emotional intelligence. And wherever we have trauma and wounding and this kind of disassociation, we cannot be fully present. We cannot be, yeah. we're not uh, fully, you know, we cannot be fully present with others because we're not present with ourselves. Yeah. Right. So we have, that's where the compassion comes in. A lot of people who we're like um, yearning this connection from, even from our family, our parents or friends, they may be dealing with trauma or wounding. They're not even aware of, and yeah. you're not fully aware of. A lot of us are right? seeking connection from people who it's not even available to them. Exactly. And so we're continuously trying to get our needs met by these people who don't have that option. They don't, that's not how they relate to themselves. Their nervous system isn't in, even in that place, you know, especially if someone's very high anxiety or very depressed, you know, um, you know, hypervigilant or, or very checked out. 
they don't have that available to them. There, that's a that's its own trauma state. You know, you see it even wired in the nervous system. Like in order to actually get into the social engagement system, we need to get into the healthy aspect of the parasympathetic nervous system. And so, a lot of at least when I go out in the world. Um, it's very rare to see someone who rests in a calm, collected, grounded state, you know, but that's why we want to become those people. That's how we can actually, regardless of where we work or what we do, if we become those people, we become like a healing force field for everyone around us who didn't have that as well. Yeah, exactly. And that's, again, going back to the to the ultimate question or the topic of this podcast, finding connection in times of isolation. This is there's so much happening in the world right now. And we purposely didn't want to get right now in, into all the specifics of what's happening in the world, the craziness, the polarization, but it's all part of it, right? Uh, but it's also, again, I have to point it out, it's an opportunity, right? There is a silver lining, right? There's something happening in the world. It brings up a lot of stuff in the world and within ourselves, and it's uh, material for transformation to burn through the alchemical fire. Mm-hmm. And more, you know, there will, it seems to be some sort of like, as I said before, there's the artificial divide and conquer frequency by the matrix of polarizing humans against humans. But at the same time, there seems to be a natural splitting or diversion, yeah. you know, happening as well. And I think we had a podcast around that as well, mm-hmm. time and reality split. But that also needs to be honored, right? To let go of relationships that don't work anymore, yeah. right? If our beliefs, if you're so, it's, you know, it's, it's too idealistic to believe, oh, why can't we just get all along all the Biden and Trump supporters? It doesn't matter, have a happy, you know, unification party. That's completely unrealistic, right? Yeah. So it's also honoring differences and making being able to make boundaries, mm-hmm. right? Without letting affect us and not forcing a connection when it's simply not happening. And it also takes, you know, in order to have a good relationship with someone who has a different belief system than you, you know, it takes a certain level of emotional maturity. You have to really... Like a lot of us are very attached to our ideas. Like I'm right. This is what I believe. You know, anyone who thinks otherwise is wrong. And I think it's really great to just create some space around that. You know, like this is what I believe, you know, in this moment. But I'm also open to being wrong as well. And that kind of open mindedness as well can help facilitate more open relationships. Isn't that what Marianne Woodman called holding the tension of opposites? Yeah, in a sense, like that's holding like the darkness and the light and just kind of like is holding your divine self and your human self. It's somewhat related, you know, Um, but really like there's, uh, you know, in order to have those kinds of relationships of unification really get along, you have to have people whose like bodies are not threatened by someone who's different to them. And to be honest, what I saw, what I see in the world, even before this is a lot of people's nervous systems respond to the outer world as if it's a threat. And that's just a state because, because we live in this crazy, like left brain, hyper anxiety, go, go, go world. You know, that's had an impact on our nervous system already. We were already dealing with this and now it's amped up, you know, but what I do notice bringing back to the thing I said again and again, if you learn the things that get you into a parasympathetic nervous system, the social engagement system where you feel connected, grounded, present, like for me, it's definitely like meditation, yoga, taking baths. You know, I, I, I do a lot of things to downregulate my nervous system. 
if you become that person, then you slowly, you become like a force field and then people start being drawn to you. And these people, you know, they're they're the kind of people that you want to be friends with because they're truly interested in connection, you know, but when we're in a state of protection, we just meet more and more of the same. So if you're in a fear state and you go out to the grocery store, you know, and you're going to be surrounded by more people who are in that state because your nervous systems literally impact each other. Not you know? only if you're state, but also if you're in the state of annoyance and fuck these people, they're all wearing masks. God mm-hmm. damn it, I got to deal with this shit again. Yeah. Then it's also kind of like you're in that frequency. You know it, what for I mean? sure. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I mean, when I close the first hour again, finding connection in terms of isolation, ultimately, it always comes back around to this. What is the ultimate connection? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's to the divine, to God. Yes. Yeah. That's the the most important relationship, and I think that's the most important lesson we can take out of it. You know, because most people only turn to God, the divine, if they're completely suffering, lost, isolated. Then when people start praying, you know, I remember your story when you mm-hmm. were, you know, similar to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the ultimate lesson to understand that the only true connection we can only have on that level is to God and the divine within yeah. ourselves, you know? Yeah. And once we have that established, and I'm not meaning it's from an abstract level, it's very, you know, that's an inner experience and it needs to be a certain sincerity and aspiration to the divine. We're not talking about some religious God outside in the sky. It's your like, it's your own like heart. Like it's the, how I experience on a physical level is my own heart has a connection to my soul and that connects with something infinite. And that refills me because the truth is, is like every single human relationship you have is going to be imperfect, but the relationship that will be perfect is your connection to the divine. And if you can use that as a secure attachment, basically, (laughs) then that's the ultimate because from that place, like if I depend on all the relationships around me to make me happy, then ultimately they're going to fail me one day. It's just the reality they're going to die yeah. the worst you know eventually or you know it's just not going to work out but that's a relationship that will always be perfect that's your ultimate if you have no secure attachment that's the ultimate secure attachment but i also just want to put a caveat but that's also you know, to not use that as an excuse to be isolated from other people, which is also what I did. Well, that's that's then the trap, the trap of the aesthetics. You yes. know what I mean? You just yeah. have this abstract uh, connection to some, to the universe or God. Oh, you know for me, I mean? it wasn't abstract. No, no, I'm saying like, people use it as an excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just to give an example, like, so I spent like some time in India and some time in Peru and I actually was pretty good at like connecting to, you know, like bliss, like higher states of consciousness, but I did it at the extreme cost of my human relationships. So I was very like, I mean, you could just also call it a phase because maybe it was a necessary phase. I needed to focus on that for a while, but there was an extreme imbalance there. So I was just going to ashrams, meditating, you know, going, doing spiritual work. And then my human relationships, I was like, just like, basically like, I hate to say it, but like disabled, basically, like I didn't know how to do it. So we need to also be aware because that can be a very seductive spiritual bypass to avoiding relationships. Not to use it as escape. And the way I can describe it myself, like once my deeper call, there was an inner call from Ashri Yobinabur called a psychic being made its presence, you know, this yearning for unification with the divine. And it happened then this more sincere aspiration of prayer and just like this intention to, you know, connect to the divine, bring the divine down, connect to the divine mother. And it's nothing abstract, but what I've noticed, the more and sincere would do that in my practice and in everyday life, 
right? Then my relationship started to change. Mm. And I saw through the crust, you know, and saw actually start more seeing the divine in all. And ironically, the you know, once I was trying to look for people or even a partner to connect so desperately mm. and focus more like, you know, who am I? Where's the divine myself? Who is the divine, right? Called in that, in a sense, and connected to that. And I let go of finding that person, you came into my life. Mm, yeah, you know, same. Once, yeah. once I really sincerely uh, aspired to the divine and then, you know, it's like, I mean, it's it's written all over the scriptures, even the Bible, seek the kingdom within first and then all the doors will be open to you. And there's yeah. truth to that. Oh, there's immense truth to that. And that takes intentional, you know, work. It's It takes like, for me, it was like prayer, yoga, meditation. And then I also started to spiritual bypass. So I had to put <laughs> self-work on top of that. You know, um, because really, um, you know, if we don't have that connection within ourselves to re like, this is what's really going to get you through this, this craziness is by fostering that connection. Because yeah. I see it through this astrological lens, we're dealing with a very like 12th house time and the 12th house is a house of isolation, um, spirituality. It's also a house of mental illness, insane asylums, you know a whole bunch of stuff is addictions, you know, and this is all what's happening in people's lives as they're kind of falling apart. Ultimately what's happening, you know, through this kind of forced self-isolation um, is we're dealing with this kind of like, we're kind of like the yogi going, we're going away to the cave, like being put in our house. You know, this is a really great opportunity to do spiritual work. I actually think that on the highest level, that's what it, that's what the divine is giving us being like, Hey, yeah. slow your lives, the hell down and go within and learn how to more access the yin side of the, um, of being, you know, which is definitely something that's become very imbalanced in the Western world. Um, so this is the really great time to do that kind of work, you know, and then also on doing this kind of work in community can also be even more powerful as well, because as we're reconnecting to our true self, we have these relationships where we can actually express that true self to a lot of us are going through major personality changes, you know, belief systems are changing who we thought we were are, is changing because we've been confronted with a lot of things happening in the world that have made us have to investigate our belief systems. Right. And because that's happening, those shifts are happening. The relationships, the systems around our lives are going to change as well. So we need to be able to like, you know, um, seek that relationship within, but don't be afraid of like stepping out and seeking those relationships externally. Because if you just wait in your house, the chances of something knocking on your door are very low. You're most likely going to have to take some, some steps towards that. Yeah. So with that being said, um, we will talk about more of that in the second hour, mm -hmm. really give you, you know, get more maybe practical uh, practice and, and tips how to do this in everyday life, especially in, in aspiration to the divine and creating relationships and work through your own inhibitions. And I also want to talk about the, you know, big talk about the great awakening, which especially, uh, you know, this very uh, mysterious figure Q talks about. <laughs> but I want to expand on that from a much bigger, because there is a great awakening happening, you know, and everybody yes. plays a role. So I want to expand on that in the second hour. And there is unity happening as well, too. So yeah. anytime we're dealing with one side of the polarity, intense division, we're also seeing unity happening at the on the other side. Exactly. So I want to bring that topic in again. 
uh, in the second hour for members. If you're not already a member, you can sign up at veilofreality.com. That's my website. And it will also give you access to all the podcasts, all the second hours and the membership forum. And again, if you guys are interested of quote journeying with us, with Laura and I in our next embodiment, uh, soul embodiment, eight-week course, online course, um, we accept applications now. It only goes by applications. We take a maximum of 25 people on this journey. And it starts December 15th until February 5th. And uh, to apply, go to awakenapply.com. And uh, we see you guys in the second hour. <laughs> 